Hi, welcome to Find My Next Office podcast. My name is Karina Irvin, and I'm the founder of Peninsula Commercial Real Estate Group. Each episode, I'm going to sit down with clients of mine to talk about their experience as an entrepreneur and also learn about their journey in finding their next office. Please enjoy this next episode, and thanks so much for listening. At the beginning of each episode, we talk about frequently asked questions in commercial real estate. On today's episode, I want to discuss tenant improvement allowance. You might be wondering, what is a tenant improvement allowance? And basically, a tenant improvement allowance, or a TI allowance, is money given from a landlord to a tenant to help pay for the improvements to their office space. So the landlord looks at a tenant improvement allowance as part of their budget for the building and to show how it can improve its investment for long term. The specific amount of a tenant improvement allowance is negotiated into the lease, and it also details what you can spend that money on. A tenant improvement allowance is also generally referred to as a price per square foot. So when you're negotiating, your broker is negotiating for you, they're going to say, I'm negotiating $10 a foot or $80 a square foot for a tenant improvement allowance. Um, Typically in a negotiation, as a tenant rep broker, I normally try to see if I can start off with a turnkey build out. So my client, the tenant, is not having to come out of pocket for the build out. But because of the state of the market right now and construction costs going up, you know, typically what's happening is the landlord caps that tenant improvement allowance and then the tenant would have to kind of contribute, you know, some out of pocket expenses above that TI allowance. Uh, Negotiating a TI allowance is also a function of other deal terms. Um, It's a function of the rental rate you're paying, the length of the term, and then this is kind of an incentive for the tenant that the landlord is giving for them to, you know, sign a lease. So the more the TI allowance, the more lucrative and the more enticing it is for a tenant to choose that building. So again, that's part of the negotiation. So that's tenant improvement allowance. Hope you found that helpful. Thank you. Welcome to Find My Next Office podcast. Today on our show, I'm so excited to have my friend, uh, Marissa Limsiaco. She is the president and co-founder of OTSO. And OTSO is an A-rated insurance coverage for lease security company. Um, I'll let her tell you more about it um, because it is a really interesting alternative to traditional cash deposits and letters of credits from the bank to securitize your lease. But more importantly, I want to get to know and I want to have our listeners get to know uh, Marissa more. Um, Marissa is an amazing female founder. She has started four different companies. She is a combat veteran and she graduated from West Point. So, Marissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Karina. So let's kick it off. Tell us about yourself. How did you get started as an entrepreneur? And tell us a little bit more about your journey, about um, how you got to where you are. Well, I guess we could bring it all the way back. So I'm a first-generation American. Uh, My parents immigrated here from the Philippines, and I grew up in Texas. Um, And as you mentioned, I graduated from West Point, so was in New York, and then the military uh, active duty for five, five and a half years. So I kind of lived all over the country from a training standpoint. And of course, I got my Iraq T-shirt, so lived in the Middle East for about a 15-month deployment 
um, and came back. And in 2010, I, I got out of active duty and transitioned to um, you know, the civilian world. And as far as entrepreneurship goes, um, I ended up attending um, a two-year business school program out of the military where I discovered entrepreneurism. And what I realized was there was a lot of um, translation of my skill set as like a commander in the military to kind of running your own business. Um, and so I, I was really intrigued by the concept and I ended up starting my first business, which was 10 years ago. Wow, that's a long time. 10 years ago now. And it was a services company development shop. And we essentially developed um, uh, software for startups. I did that for two and a half years and realized I wanted to get more into the product space and do my own ideas and execute my own ideas. So uh, transitioned over and uh, you know, fast forward. Um, I've been in commercial real estate pretty much since 2014 um, from a standpoint of uh, actually working in the industry. I'd invested in real estate before that. But, um, but yeah, we uh, pivoted to Oto right before COVID uh, when we ourselves saw the need for, from an ownership standpoint, um, uh, opportunity to close that gap between the exposure we feel on what we're collecting on deposits and, and what we're putting down on the deal. Um, and we realized that in creating this solution, uh, which is essentially an alternative to cash and letters of credit, uh, tenants and, and businesses looking for space benefit by not having to lock up that capital. Uh, so fast forward three years later, um, we've helped lots of businesses. We've had hundreds of applications come in. It's been a really exciting time. And I think especially in the current environment, um, we're, we're especially needed. Yeah, I want to definitely dig deeper into how your product benefits tenants and both landlords in a minute. But before we go to that, let's talk a little bit more about the, the running theme in your life, which, you know, you started a tech company. There's not that many, uh, you know, venture backed female founders, right? There's, a, I think, 1% is it? You probably can, can spit out those stats more than 2.3%. <laughs> which is ridiculous, right? And then yeah. also uh, being a combat veteran, being in West Point. Uh, being coming from an immigrant family, can you dig a little bit deeper as to like how that's affected your mindset and your journey as an entrepreneur? How's it helped you? How's it pushed you? Uh, I think that'd be helpful for our listeners. Sure. Well, um, if any listeners out there are uh, um, the child of immigrant parents that aren't entrepreneurs, uh, I actually uh, really only knew like the traditional roles growing up, like your be the t attorney or be the be the doctor, as you know, Karina. That's very big in our culture. Uh, and so when I decided to, I think I realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Just this whole concept of of creation and bringing ideas to life, and, and ultimately, what entrepreneurship is problem solving. And I think my time in the military and you know my short short stint in, in the corporate environment when I got out of the military. Uh, made me realize to um, to Im implement any sort of change and bring ideas to life. That was a very painful, long process. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's why I became an entrepreneur and specific to commercial real estate. I just continually saw, and as you know, being in the industry, there's just a ton of green fields and for innovation. It's a very antiquated industry. And so I saw a lot of opportunity and I think overall, um, there is this 
fascination with changing mindsets. Um, it's actually, you asked what my book, favorite, one of my favorite books is Mindset by Carol Dwick. But, you know, ultimately as an entrepreneur, you know, you're changing the way people do things. And so you're changing outlook on, on things in our industry, for example, they've been doing for years on end. And so I find that challenge very appealing. And so I think that's, that's like another reason I'm an entrepreneur. I love that. Thinking outside the box, breaking barriers, um, which brings us to OTSO, right? So uh, I've mentioned in other episodes, the idea of securitization and security deposit and how landlords come to this number um, with the current state of the economy, you know, post pandemic, the issue that a lot of tenants are facing as a tenant rep broker, I'm seeing this day in and day out landlords are requiring more and more security deposit. They're having you tie up, you know, six to nine months of rent for, you know, to securitization. And that's really, it's an impact. It's hard. It, it hits the bottom line of these entrepreneurs and you know it from, from starting these companies. And so you came up with Otso. Um, tell us a little bit about how this is a benefit for both the tenant and the landlords. Yeah. So, and you're right. There, there are, Landlords are starting to tighten their belts across the country with the current environment. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, why we started it, it's they're closing that gap between what they're putting in the deal costs um, and what they're collecting. And, and they don't want to feel as exposed in every deal. Um, and so that's really the benefit that we bring is because there isn't a capital lockup requirement for the tenant with our program, then landlords can ask for more and close that gap. Um, on top of that, our insurance is A-rated. So there's also this enhancement of the tenant credit, which is direct value to the overall you know, asset um, from a value standpoint. Uh, for the tenants, and I, I've worn both hats here, which is really fun. Um, so as the tenants, from tenants, you're absolutely right. Like locking up any sort of capital, whether it be like $5,000 to you know, we've looked at deals that are have like millions of dollars worth of like letters of credit that they want the tenant to lock up. Uh, that's just wasteful. Any money sitting around is wasteful. And you're more likely to want to use that for another employee or, you know, just set your business up for success. Um, and I remember, you know, back in 2012, when we were considering looking for an office and, and, uh, you know, me just not knowing anything about renting space at all and, and thinking like, oh, this is going to be just, you know, like kind of like finding an apartment. It's, it's totally different process. <laughs> um, and, you know, having the requirement to lock up 40K at the time or 10K, uh, you know, in the different, the different tours that we did was really, really tough um, for me. Uh, as a business owner, um, to, to kind of stomach, okay, uh, you know, we're a growing business and I have to lock $40,000. It's a lot of money, right? Yeah, let's, so that's a good example. So let's put it in, um, you and I are, are working together. We're trying to work together on this, one of these industrial deals, right? And so I yeah. mentioned to you that my client, you know, it's an industrial company, the landlord's requiring half a million dollars of security deposit. That's going to take away from his business. And then if he goes with Otso, as an example, tell our listeners, like, what is like, just as an example, like, what is the monthly cost of like a half a million dollar or maybe a hundred thousand dollars or something just so they can kind of compare like, hey, you could put up X amount, you know, out of your business or pay, you know, this insurance, you know, this monthly fee for Otso to do that. 
Yeah. So I, we like to say for like every hundred thousand dollars, it's about, you know, anywhere between five to eight hundred dollars. So in, in the case of your of your um, your client looking for space, needing to lock up, you know, half a million. I mean, the process, we, we wanted to make it as simple as possible. You know, now that you know about how much the landlord wants, we would just uh, have them apply. Um, it's all online. And, uh, from there, you know, we give them the decision and we actually have a financial report, um, that we offer that they, you know, you, you as the broker can ha use as leverage to show the landlord, Hey, like this is not only my tenants, not only approved for half a million, but, oh, by the way, here's like their financial standing. Um, and so you're armed with that, uh, to show the landlord and, you know, assuming the landlord agrees to go forward with, with Oatso. Um, and the lease, you know, the, the rent would simply be, and like I said, for 500000 you know, that might be like 2500 $3,000 um, a month more in rent. Uh, so you would just work that into the deal. The landlord would pass that on to the tenant in rent. Yeah, so for our listeners who are tenants out there, I think it's important to know that there are other alternatives um, to a letter of credit or a cash deposit. And Marissa here has shared that, which is so thank you so much. I think this is a great resource for our listeners. Um, so you kind of mentioned your first office. So since the name of my podcast is Find My Next Office, let's talk about that. Like, tell us that process of um, how you felt like you were, you know, what is your first office? Was it your apartment? Was it your house? And then what was that feeling of like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I'm outgrowing my space. Yeah, I think, um, gosh, I've, I've done it all. I, I've done the apartment office. I've done the more traditional office. I've done the, um, the co-working flex. During COVID, I did the RV office. I lived around the country. Um, so I'll never forget like that first office we looked at. It was in Austin. And the biggest frustration I remember having is just like not knowing how much anything costs. Like you go on LoopNet. And you're, you don't understand the vernacular and you're like, what is like $20 per square foot per year? Like I can afford X per month. And this is not in any sort of language that I understand. Um, I didn't use or know to, you know, to get a tenant rep like yourself, Karina. And if I wish I would have known you back then. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that even just the process of understanding where, I could afford anything was extremely daunting. Um, you know, and then eventually like we figured it out and we, we, you know, negotiated with some landlords ultimately for that fir very first space, we opted for more of a flex, uh, a flex option, um, just because we were growing. And then really for me, the deterrent was that lockup. Right. And I'm sure a lot of other business owners, I had the money, I could have locked it up, but I just didn't want to. And so we went from a, um, from, you know, from the traditional office to more to the co-working. Um, I, I've done it where, and I'm sure other entrepreneurs listening, I, I've, I wouldn't recommend this, but I've done it from my, out of my house where we were growing our team and, you know, we housed some people to, you know, that were out of town that were moving in. Um, it was fun, but it was also very, very stressful. And if, if you're married and doing this, it's even tougher to like have strangers living, not strangers, but people you work with living with you, um, and working out of your home. And so we, we quickly transitioned, um, to an office from there, but currently my whole, my whole team is remote. Um, and we're working out of, out of our home. We have like one Regis, uh, membership out of Texas that will leverage for meetings and, and whatnot. And I think the requirement and, and the, um, the need for office space is very needed because, uh, as I'm growing my team, we're doing 
the in-person is still extremely important, even though we're all over the country. And so having that kind of like base to, you know, do quarterly plannings or all hands in person um, is extremely important. Um, and so, you know, we still have memberships to, to, you know, have that aspect of the business or, you know, if you're doing customer meetings in person now that COVID is, you know, people aren't as locked down, you know, those are starting to pick up as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the future of office space and how people are doing the, you know, the hybrid schedules, the remote working, working from all over the country teams. So I think we're in a very interesting you know, spot right now as an office broker and as an office user to see what that future will look like. Um, you know, I think office definitely is going to be needed. Um, you know, I think it's going to be satellite offices, kind of what you're talking about. Is it going to be more office intensive because people want private spaces, which then ties into higher construction costs, which then ties into the securitization. So it is a, a quite an interesting time. Um, yeah. So yeah, so thanks for sharing that journey. So let's talk about you know, at the end of each episode, what I do is I want to ask my guests the same three questions, because again, our listeners range from startups to midsize to established businesses, right? And so it's, it's nice to kind of hear about your experience as an entrepreneur, your journey for finding office, but also, you know, just, you know, some of your favorite entrepreneurial books that you're reading, your favorite quotes. So the, the, the rapid questions that I have is the number one, give us one piece of advice from your office space search experience that you think can help someone else as they go through this process? Uh, I mean, that one's easy. Everyone I talk to, especially going through this for the first time, is find a tenant rep. Find someone to represent you. Uh, like I said earlier, just the not knowing how any, much anything costs. I mean, all that is still real today, as you know. And and as far as w the best places for a business, I mean, that's that's what a tenant rep does. And so that's always my first recommendation. I wish I had had someone like you back then to know, um, yeah, to, to navigate through that process, you really need a tenant rep. And I want to reiterate to people, because I think people don't realize that tenant rep brokers, it's not an actual out-of-pocket cost for tenants, right? It's factored into no. the deal. It's the landlords pay the commission. It's similar to residential where, you know, the landlord or the seller, you know, the, the owner is the one that's responsible for that. So it's essentially a free service for tenants that they need to take advantage of, really. Oh, 100%. Because I mean, that's why I didn't use one at the beginning, because I'm like, I don't have the money to pay one. <laughs> because I, I didn't know. But yeah, that, that's something a lot of people don't know is that that gets built into the deal, just like, you know, when you're buying a house. So that person's like, really looking out for you. That's right. That's right. Um, question number two, what is your I think you mentioned it earlier, but let's say it again. What's your favorite entrepreneurial book that you've read or like currently reading? Yeah, I'm a big book nerd. So I have quite a few. So to name just one is tough. But I think from like a standpoint of journey goes, I'd say like Phil Knight's Shoe Dog. Like I could not put that book down. And for those of you who don't know who Phil Knight is, he's the founder of Nike. Um, that I literally read that book in, in like a weekend. Um, from a practicality standpoint, I'd say from a business, um, I think one my one of my favorite books, it's a really short book. It's called The Mom Test. I think a lot of entrepreneurs... Um, when you're trying to find product market fit and get that feedback from the market, um, a, a lot of us don't know, what, aren't asking the right questions. And I, it took me two businesses to realize that. <laughs> um, and so The Mom Test and books like Presuasion um, is another book that helped from a standpoint of marketing um, or were two kind of like more practical business books that I really like. Amazing. I, I've enjoyed that Bill Knight book as well. So that was a 
easy and quick read for me. Um, thank you for that. What is your favorite motivational or inspirational quote? I'm sure, actually, I'm very curious to hear yours because you've been through both the journey as a, as a combat veteran and as this roller coaster of an entrepreneur. So what keeps you going? What, what pumps you up? Yeah, I'd say from a quote standpoint, um, it's, it's a book called The Four Agreements. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but, uh, and I have it and I look at it every single day. It's on my board right now. Um, and the, the four agreements is simple. It's be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And I find like there's just four things, but it applies to so many things in life. Um, and yeah, that, I'd say that's kind of the quote that I, that I hold, hold nearest and kind of like look at literally like every single day it's on my board. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to rewind this and write that down and put it up on my board too. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, that's our, that's our episode. I so appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for your time and all the wisdom that you've shared with us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Karina. 